speaking of getting to know Jesus more and more, we are on to a new series. Our next series that we are talking about right now is Doubt After Faith. And now you might be thinking, wait a minute, Doubt After Faith, shouldn't it be the other way around? Often, when we talk about faith, we are making the assumption that it arrives complete, that once you are all in, there are never any questions, never any doubts that we wrestle with. And if there are, then, then we assume there must be something wrong with our faith, that it, that it isn't real, that it's not good enough. But that's not the reality. You know, think about times in your life where you've had things new. So I can remember when, um, when my husband and I found out that we were pregnant. Now, we wanted desperately to be parents. I wanted to be a mom. This was so exciting. But there were still moments where I would look at my husband and, and say, what on earth have we gotten ourselves into? If I'm honest, there are still moments where I look at my husband and ask, what on earth have I gotten myself into? There's no way I am qualified to parent these young women. But the reality is that despite my doubts, God gave them to us. Maybe you've had similar experiences. You've purchased a new home or gotten a new job, something that you were sure was where you were supposed to be headed, was what you were supposed to do. But inevitably, doubts crop up. And maybe you second-guess your decision. And you know what? In these other areas of life, we're offered a lot of grace when we doubt. You'll hear encouraging words like, you'll do fine, it'll be okay, you'll figure it out as you go. You've got lots of people around you, you'll do great. Because doubt is a normal part of life. It is the consequence of living in a fallen world where life and people are unpredictable. We understand each other's propensity to doubt because we share it with them. And yet, often, when it comes to faith, we see doubt as failure. We see doubt as evil, as something to deny, avoid, or ignore. You may have even been chastised or made to feel like your faith wasn't real because you wrestled with doubt. But no matter how hard we try, doubt will creep in. It's part of the human condition. Life is not doubt-free, but we somehow think that our faith, something that by definition exists sight unseen, should be. The truth is that doubt itself isn't the issue. But instead, it's all about how we handle it. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring how even those who walked beside Jesus who witnessed his miracles firsthand, who, who felt his power in person, how even they had doubts. We will see time and again in the scriptures examples of how doubt was not just present, but it was often a catalyst for deeper understanding and growth. By looking at doubt, we see expressed in the lives of Jesus' disciples and his followers and his friends 
we have the opportunity to see how their response to doubt spurred them on to a greater, deeper faith. Or how some let it become a wedge, a wall driving them further away from him. Today, we're going to talk about the disciple Simon Peter. This won't be the only time you hear about Peter during this series, and that should be comforting. You see, Peter was one of those closest to Jesus. He was outspoken and feisty, passionate and impulsive, and Jesus in one moment would call Peter the rock upon which he would build his church, and in the next moment he would tell Peter to get behind me, Satan. Peter is such a real example of humanity to us. With all of his flaws, his love for his Savior was true and deep. And in the midst of Peter's faith, we have plenty of examples of him doubting. Today, we're going to focus on one specifically. It occurs in the 14th chapter of Matthew. A little background, we find that Jesus and the disciples have retreated to the wilderness, only to be followed by a massive crowd of over 5,000 men and exponentially more if you count the women and children. This may be sounding a little familiar to you. He teaches all day long, and the crowd is getting hungry. After using a young boy's lunch of five loaves and two fishes, he feeds all the people and has leftovers, baskets of leftovers. I want you to keep this in mind as we look at what comes next. After this day of teaching, after the miraculous feeding of all of these people, Jesus needs some time to himself. He decides to retreat up to the mountain to pray and be alone with God, and he tells his disciples to cross the lake in this fishing boat and that he will join them on the other side. And that is where we pick it up. The boat was already a considerable distance from land, being buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? So let's, let's look at this for a moment. Right off the bat, we find Peter doubting. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. Peter is cautious. He's skeptical. 
what is he thinking? Is he worried he might be duped by all of these other men walking around on the water? No. But Peter is impetuous. He is a hands-on learner. He is what we would call an experiential learner. He needs to be directly involved to help quell his doubt. Jesus understands this. He doesn't chastise him for asking to experience it. He doesn't say, come on now, Peter, who else do you know that walks on water? No. Instead, Jesus calls him out onto the water. And it starts out well enough. Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water out to Jesus. Now, I can imagine what Peter is thinking. Holy cow, this is amazing. I'm walking on water. But it all goes south from there. Perhaps he looked back at the boat to say, hey, guys, look at me. Or perhaps it was just a wind-buffeted wave that crashed near him. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and called him, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now, I don't know about you, but for years when I read this account, I heard Jesus saying, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Such disappointment in his voice, such such judgment. But I'm no longer convinced this is how Jesus said it. He was a teacher. This was a perfect teaching moment. Still on the water, soaking wet, waves crashing, Peter clinging to Jesus' hand to stay standing. What if Jesus said, why did you doubt? I taught fourth grade for a number of years, and during that time period, metacognition was the buzzword. It's really just thinking about your thinking. And students were, um, were asked to solve problems but more importantly, to be able to explain exactly how they solved the problem. So, for instance, if you read a story about Sally, afterwards you would ask, how did Sally feel? The children would say she felt sad, but that's not where it ended. The reality was I needed them to tell me how they knew she was sad. What did they think about? And so they could tell me things like, it said she looked away, or she wrung her hands, or she was crying all cues that the children noticed and were able to then interpret. Or in math, you might solve a math problem but then need to explain how you solved it. So Joe had candy for dessert that he shared with his three brothers. Each child got five pieces. How much candy did Joe have? Just telling me 20 isn't enough. First, I have to figure out how many children there are all together. Then I have to multiply. You get the picture. The point is, we have to slow the process down enough for them to think about what was going on in their minds. This isn't easy for kids. It's not easy for adults either. We often don't know how we got to an answer. And the reality is, it's even more difficult when you are asking someone to reflect on the abstract response, for example, emotions or feelings. We're not a culture that likes to question ourselves. What I feel is truth, right? Because I felt it. It equals the truth. But there are 
extenuating circumstances in life. Say you're at the grocery store and you see me down the aisle ahead of you. You yell, hey, Heather, but all that happens is I pick up my pace and turn a corner. You are sure I am avoiding you. I am actively trying to get away from you because, of course, I don't like you. But the reality is, I had my AirPods in, never heard anything, and was jamming to my own beats as I was grocery shopping. We create our own narratives and often miss the truth. So we have to slow ourselves down long enough to realize what is it I'm feeling? Why am I feeling it? How did I come to this conclusion? And to actually consider that maybe I don't know everything. We have to actively think about our thinking and recognize that we need more information to make informed decisions. So perhaps this is what Jesus is asking of Peter. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Maybe this was a teaching moment. Okay, Peter, why did you doubt? I believe that Jesus saw this moment of doubt exactly for what it was, an opportunity to grow, to deepen Peter's faith in Jesus and Peter's understanding of himself. Peter saw the wind and became afraid. Peter went from keeping his eyes on Jesus to looking at his circumstances. He went from joy to fear in the blink of an eye. His emotions distracted him from the truth. Now, keep in mind what's happened in the last 24 hours alone. Peter watched Jesus feed well over 5,000 people from a kid's lunchbox. He watched Jesus walk on water. Peter himself walked on water until doubt. Doubt creeps in through open doors we leave in our lives, unchecked emotions, wounds from our past that we haven't dealt with. For Peter, it could have been self-reliance or pride. Hey, I've got this. What we do know is that he got distracted. He saw the wind. He was a fisherman. He knew the dangers that water held. He trusted in his earthly knowledge. When he took his eyes off Jesus, fear rushed in. When we try to do life on our own strength, we will fail every time. Trusting in our earthly knowledge and experiences will allow doubt to creep in and we will sink. But when doubt appeared, Peter didn't just give up and sink into the water. No. What did he do? When he, doubt appeared, Peter cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached out and pulled him up. Doubt is inevitable. Doubt in itself is not evil. The question is, how will we respond? Will we sink into the water? Sure, we know the answers ourselves, determined to chart our own course and live by our own rules, relying solely on our emotions and our limited reason? Or will we cry out in our doubt, Lord, save me, and allow Jesus to pull us up? And then listen when he asks us to self-reflect. Why did you doubt? 
door was left open. Pride, fear, distraction. How can we avoid it next time? And I don't want us to miss the end of the story. Verses 32 and 33 start like this. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Jesus and Peter walked on water together, back to the boat. Jesus didn't pull him up and make the wind stop and the waves calm, so it was all better for Peter. No. He walked beside Peter through the waves, through the wind, and climbed onto the boat with him. Peter's doubt led to a greater understanding of who Jesus was. Those who watched Peter wrestle with doubt were blessed to know Jesus better from it. And even today, we are able to know Jesus better because Peter doubted. Doubt can lead us to a deeper, more intimate relationship with our Savior when we embrace it and we cry out, Lord, help me. The band's going to play for us in a moment. And I want you to ask Jesus to show you why do you doubt. Ask him to help you know with confidence that Christ is enough.